Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner and I use they, them pronouns. And today we're back with another People's Choice episode. Yay! Uh, yay! The the one the one choice from the one people from from Charlie's people choice. <laughs> That's the legal name. <laughs> so today I will be working on rebooting *Heir Apparent*, the two thousand two young adult novel by Vivian Vandeveld. Okay. Lindsay, have you ever heard of these? No. Cool. That it did kind of fly under the radar. Uh... So the backstory on *Air Parent*. It is part of a loose trilogy, uh, loose because they're all set in the same world, but they don't necessarily connect to each other. Uh, the main character of *Air Parent*, Janine, is a side character in the other book, *User Unfriendly*, but like not to the degree where you need to read one to understand the other. In fact, the author Vivian Vandeveld has even said that they can be read in any order. Uh, okay. Which is good, because yeah. I read Heir Apparent before I read either of the other two. I actually haven't read the other two yet. Okay. And I was actually hoping to reread Heir Apparent before we got to this point, but I didn't, so... Oh, well. I was quickly rereading chunks of it before we started this episode. Okay. Unfortunately, Wikipedia... Wikipedia... Wik- <laughs> has a pretty good uh, plot synopsis on everything that goes down. Okay. So, the story of Heir Apparent, the novel, is about a young girl named Janine who gets a gift card from her dad to go to a virtual reality arcade. Uh, she And it's, oh, it's set off in the far-off future of 2002. Okay. <laughs> At least, I think it's, I don't know what year it is, but it's the, fu- it's the future! <laughs> the fantastic sci-fi world of next Tuesday! <laughs> So she goes to the virtual reality arcade, and there's a whole bunch of protesters outside uh, because video games are going to corrupt our children. Of course. Yep. And so she bypasses those. She goes inside, and she picks a video game called Air Apparent. She picks it because she hears that the main character in that game is also named Janine, and also there's a hot boy on the cover of the door. Ooh. Hot boy. Always looking for the hot boy. Yep. And basically, as it is explained to her, Heir Apparent, the video game, is basically you take the role of the king's illegitimate daughter, who has all of a sudden been declared his sole heir over his three legitimate sons, and you have to survive the three days leading up to your coronation while dealing with all other things that happen, like dealing out punishments to peasants that misbehave, or uncovering the lost treasury or the ghosts, or the beheading statue in the woods, or the magic ring, and the dragon, and the boots, and the barbarian horde. Cool. So basically all the fantasy stuff. Yep. And so she goes in, she starts playing, and like five minutes into it, she, like, the game freezes, and she gets a message directly from the designer who comes in and says, Hey, so, fun fact... The protesters outside have accidentally destroyed an important piece of equipment that keeps our players safe, and if we try and take you out of this game now, your brain will burst into flame, 
but also if you're in this game for longer than an hour, you will also burst into flames. So try to win this game within the hour that we've given you. Okay, thanks, bye. Yay! And of course, like, the, the game time goes faster than real time, because, like, yeah. the three days in the game only equates to about half an hour in the real world, and so she's got twice that much time to get through it. And every time she dies in the game, she just loops back to the start. But she gets to retain everything that she's learned about the process so far. <laughs> so, basically, this book was my first exposure to Isekai. In its current incarnation. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, because, like, I'm getting a little bit of ReZero. I'm getting a little bit of, um, fuck, Sword Art. It, it's, it's a little Sword Arty, except it's just, there's just the one person in there. Yeah. Uh, but, like, looking at the other books, like, the very first book in this universe, User Unfriendly, is basically a whole party of people who go into a Dungeons and Dragons game and then get stuck in there, and they have to beat their quest in order to get out alive. Okay. So the first one was, if you die in the game, you die in real life. But in Heir Apparent, it's, if you die in the game, you just keep dying in the game repeatedly, and then eventually you run out of saves and you will die in real life. Yeah. If you die in real life, you die in the game. <laughs> so there's a few things that I feel like we could play with if we adapted this. First off, uh, this should be a miniseries at minimum. I don't think a... Okay, actually, maybe a movie could work. Uh, yeah, like, I guess the early, like, uh, dies and re dying and respawning could be montaged a bit. Yeah, especially, like, the book itself, it becomes a very fast read, because, of course, every time she dies, like, she gets to a certain point where she knows everything she needs to do at the beginning, and so she just kind of speed runs as best she can. Yeah. But, like, we don't have to show that in its entirety every single time, because the book doesn't either. Okay. Like, there, in the parts I was rereading, there's, like, a larger segment that's, like, at the beginning of her playthrough, and then, like, the next day takes up a single page. And then, like, the like the next day is several chapters after that. Okay, yeah. Because, yeah, there's certain stuff that you expand on because she's doing it for the first time. There's other stuff that you can just breeze past because nothing's changing. Yeah. And you could probably throw in a bit of a time motif going in. Like... I would almost imagine, like, if you do want to show stuff on the outside of the game developers and various people, you know, trying to figure out the problem to maybe get her out, you do, like, the Dunkirk, um, it's kind of like a stat time thing. So, like, in the Dunkirk movie, there was, like, um, on, the on-the-ground stuff was over a week, the on-the-water stuff was over a day, and up in the air was over an hour. And how did they parse that, like... They kind of showed it at the very beginning. Like, at the beginning of each section. So, like, the army, when they're getting to Dunkirk, it says, like, this is going to take over a week. At the beginning of the of the uh, various boats in England going over to Dunkirk to rescue the, the trapped soldiers, it basically says at the beginning, this takes over a day. And then up in the air, it's like... This takes over an hour, and there's also the added pressure of uh, the main pilot's fuel gauge is broken. Ah. So yeah, he really has to pay attention to how much fuel he's got. Yeah, well, they do do bits of that in the book, because every few chapters you see emails between the people who run the thing trying to like make sure Janine is able to get out safely, Yeah. because they can only 
like I think they can only go into the game world once, otherwise they risk destabilizing. Like if they're the whole situation is that Janine is stuck in a very precarious space where yeah. they can only help her so much and she has to figure it out on her own. Okay. Like he bursts in, he, he's like, he's able to give her one hint and like the rest of the time she's just on her own. There's actually, so the hint he gives Janine at the beginning is get the ring next time. And that's all he can tell her. She has no idea what that means in context. So we get basically a chapter's worth of her dying continuously, constantly asking people for their rings until it gets to the point where she just like attacks the knight sent to summon her to the castle and tries to bite his finger off because there's a ring there. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And while she like, and then he stabs her and while she's bleeding out, her mother leans over her and she's like, oh dearie, didn't you know that the ring you're looking for was your dad's ring? (laughs) <laughs> or your fa- your foster father's ring and she's dying she's like oh that would have been great to know thanks game mom <laughs> so a movie could work but I feel like a TV series could also work at least a mini series where it'd be a half an hour per episode yeah probably because we can like still do a whole montage of stuff but it would also let us expand on some of the stuff in here like there are some plot elements that are dropped and some of it just makes sense because Janine is going through certain playthroughs and, like, depending on how she chooses to do things, she's just not going to care about certain factors that come up in the game. Yeah. But other stuff is, like, it should be a major thing. Like, in one iteration, she is pretty sure that one of the king's sons and his girlfriend killed the king. But we don't see anything about this afterwards. And, like, even at the end of the game... She doesn't bring it up, and those two aren't enemies to her at all. Like, I, f- I feel like the author, maybe that one string on her pegboard of keeping track of the plots just may have fallen loose. <laughs> okay. Because it is something that would be interesting to bring up, or at the very least, deal with or change. Because the thing that I like about this is that all the stuff is still going regardless of what Janine does. If Janine takes too long dealing with one situation, and that doesn't mean another situation stops. It's not like a Final Fantasy where you can stop and do 200 side quests before going back to the main quest. Okay. Everything's on a timer. It's it's a dead rising. If you take too long trying to do certain stuff, then you're going to miss out on other major factors of the plot. Yeah. Okay. So there's that so we could expand on that we could expand on some of the other branches and even expand on the way that janine is able to get information because she like i said she retains everything she learns in every iteration so she can do one thing and then like fail at it but then she comes back she knows what's happening she knows how long she can leave it until she has to deal with it okay yeah and so Another thing I was thinking is that we can make this a little bit more video gamey. Okay. In the sense that she can pause the game at certain points and like check her notes. Okay, so she can do the modern isekai like she can actually have an interface. Yeah. <laughs> because they they don't go for like a hundred percent immersion in the game world, like there's a part where she gets a hat that stops time as long as she's wearing it. And the guy who's explaining it to her is like, now you count one Rasmussen Enterprises, two Rasmussen Enterprises, and when you get to 30 Rasmussen Enterprises, then the hat will return to me and you'll be stuck wherever you were. 
<laughs> and the Rasmussen Enterprises are the game company, so it's basically the like in Pokemon games where you see the Nintendo consoles. Yeah. And you go to the Game Freak office. And like they use examples of like modern stuff, not high fantasy stuff, just to explain to her certain situations and Janine can drop modern slain and it like gets translated for the characters to understand what she's getting at. She doesn't have to always be speaking in ye old butchered English. <laughs> nice. Mind you, no one else really does either, but like it's it's stated that there's certain subliminal stuff that will adjust her speech for it to fit with the setting or it will implant certain things that she needs to know, like just the name of people and places that she wouldn't know if she really was this character. Okay, cool. Um also, I mentioned speedrunning before. Yes. It would be fun if Janine was able to find some glitches in the game code. <laughs> Yeah, she finds her own missing now? Well, that, or I'm more thinking just, like, finding back doors that were meant for debugging, but were never taken out at the end. Okay. And now she can clip through the mountainside to get into the dragon's cave. <laughs> it's like Skyrim. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there is also, okay, so another thing that I found really amusing is that so to get the ring that he mentions, the magic ring will let you c give commands to whoever you give it to and they have to obey it. Okay. So if, if you give it to one of the king's sons and you're like, hey, don't behead me. He'll be like, okay, I won't behead you. And then she's like, hey, use your magic to turn into a wolf. And he's like, okay, I'm a wolf now. It's kind of like the one ring. His name is Wolfgar. And she, <laughs> Janine, when she finds out that he can turn into a wolf, she's like, wow, how original. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Janine herself is a very fun character because she she understands the fact that she is dying, but she never loses this sense of, I'm just so fucking exhausted by this game. Yeah, nice. I'm gonna slap the designer in the face. Nice. But yeah, so the magic ring. In order to get the magic ring, you have to go into the swamp to the secret den and find the statue of the warrior poet and tell him a poem. And if he likes the poem, he'll give you the ring. But he hates hearing a poem that's already been told. And so Janine initially thinks this means that he hates people who plagiarize other works. Okay. But then during another iteration, she like is trying to speedrun again. And so she says the same poem she said last time, and she gets her head cut off. Because what he really means is that he hates hearing poems that players have told him before. Ah. So that's a, a fun aspect. And I was thinking, what if we expand on that a little bit and like... There's remnants of other players' playthroughs <laughs> in the game. Yes. And that's how she can find some of the glitches. Like, she's looking through the notes, or like, the library or something, trying to find information, and she finds one page, and it's just written on there. It's like, if you go three rocks to the left and walk backwards, then you can clip through the cave entrance. And then, like, it's, like, it's written in the, like, archaic script and stuff, but then it's quoted as, uh, the great wise man, Noob Master 69. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could have so much fun with those gaming handles. Yeah. And then another, just the fun thing we can do with the video game aspect is the real world stuff obviously would just be live action, but then when you go into the game, it could be like animated. It could be a straight up anime, like a sword art style yeah. thing. Or it could be in, like, video game style CGI. Yeah, that might be neat. And she might, again, might encounter a glitch where all of a sudden the characters just go extremely off-model suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So we're going to have Bethesda make this. Maybe? <laughs> Listen, I know we signal them out a lot, but there are plenty of video game developers that do a little oops and the, suddenly you encounter a get down situation. <laughs> Get down to the da 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 I'll never not love glitches. <laughs> oh, dang. She can find a character that wasn't even supposed to be there. And oh, I've just made this Wreck-It Rolf. I just made this Wreck-It Rolf. <laughs> Wreck-It Rolf sword art. No, it's a weird NPC that's kind of corrupted the code. Oh, no. They've become self-aware. I was thinking more like missing now, but okay. How do you know Missing No isn't self-aware? Oh, yeah. I mean, it did go after Linkara that one time. No, several times. Yes. <laughs> Which is a fact. I would love Missing No to show up in a Pokemon movie, but it's actually extremely chill. Oh, yeah. Like, this is my Pokemon Missing No. Just opens the ball and this terrifying bundle of pixels walks out. <laughs> Just starts feeding it berries. Oh, you're so cute. And it's like... <laughs> oh my god, listeners. The the faces Tanner made are were just amazing. <laughs> it's shaped like a Pikachu when it turns around and its face is just static. <laughs> um, so, um, okay, there, there is another thing. That I remembered while I was rereading the book. Okay. So one of the things that you learn at the end. Okay. So the game is made by Rasmussen Enterprises. Okay. Uh, founded by Nigel Rasmussen. Yeah. He's very mysterious. Like a lot of people don't know about him and his personal life. And he's just hidden away from society. Um, and then it turns out like when he appears to Janine in the game, he looks like a, like a guy you would assume a programmer looks like. But when he shows up, he's actually like a teen heartthrob Ooh. computer genius. And he's also, he modeled one of the characters in the game after himself. And it is the hot boy that Janine entered the game to encounter. Ooh. So this raises some fun stuff we can do. But first we need to make a few adjustments because said hot boy is also one of the king's sons. So if the illegitimate daughter... It's falling for one of the legitimate sons. Yeah, that's a little... You're still half-siblings. That doesn't that's work. A little... <gasps> so I was more thinking that he could be the queen's bastard. Okay. But never actually someone who's in line for the throne. Because it, except for that weird part where it seems like he may be trying to kill the king. Or may have killed the king before the game starts. You don't get a sense that he's evil. He's just kind of a dick. And he never really seems to be gunning for the crown. Okay. Like, the other two brothers are like, I, I can turn into a wolf, and I can eat so many whole roasted ducks in a single sitting, and we both want to kill Janine because we want to be king. Yeah. Um. I was also just thinking, because everybody loves a succession crisis. God, I fucking love a succession crisis. <laughs> so, um, during the Wars of the Roses, there were like, two main claims to the throne that I'll descend back to Edward the... not second. Edward the third. Uh, so there's the Lancastrian line, and then there's the York line, but also the, the Lancastrian line had the Tudor line because, well, the Beauforts, who then became the Tudors, because John of Gaunt, the Duke of Lancaster, had some bastard kids with his mistress. They were legitimized under... 
his grandson Henry the Sixth's frame, and then they kind of died out, except for Margaret, who married this uh, Edmund Tudor guy, who was the illegitimate son. Uh, no, not illegitimate, but the child of a secret marriage between Catherine of Valois, the former Queen of England and mother of Henry the Sixth, and his like a knight of the court by the name of Owen Tudor. Okay. And she had a son named Henry Tudor, who became Henry the Seventh. Right. Henry, if that Henry's claim on the throne was extremely tenuous because it was also the Yorks, and they had a far superior claim. Also, they came from the actual senior line of the family, whereas the Lancastrians were a junior line of the family. Huh. All of the Plantagenet family. So what I'm saying is that Janine is like the... Janine, the the character you're playing, or the other Janine is playing... Is the descendant is like the last descendant of this one claim on on like the more legitimate claim on the throne, and the current sitting king and his kids are actually from a different claim on the throne. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would flip that because one of the backstory parts of Game Janine is that she like she doesn't grow up as royalty or even nobility. She is a a commoner. Okay. So I would flip that. I'd say like there she's part of the illegitimate line on the throne. Yeah. But then the king legitimizes that line on his deathbed, basically. Okay, yeah, so he doesn't... And all of a sudden, because of the way that the inheritance would work, because they, like, depending on the primogenitor, (laughs) all of a sudden her line has a better claim than the other line? Yeah. (laughs) Like, it, it would just be interesting to know a little bit more of the backstory. Like, why he did the claim on the... gave her the claim for the throne... Other than just, we wouldn't have a video game without it. Yeah. Get a bit more into the lore, and maybe the lore is kind of doled out, like, um, Dark Souls style? You know? Have you ever played Dark Souls? I heard about Dark Souls. (laughs) Me too. I still feel like you know more about it than I do. Um, (laughs) So how is lore divvied out in Dark Souls, then? Uh, Basically in bits and pieces. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, I'm assuming with this game... If it was to run normally, you would beat the game, and then you would be given time to do all sorts of exploring. Potentially. Yeah. Or at least that might be the console version. And given that we have new technology, Janine probably wouldn't have to go to an arcade to play this. Well, okay, but if that happened, then we wouldn't have a plot, because yeah. like we need the real-life consequence time limit because she goes to the arcade, and then the people break the stuff there. Okay. And that's what gets her trapped. Okay. And also, as I said, time in-game goes faster than time outside, so... Yeah. yeah Actually, be... we could even... If we have, like, a lot of virtual, like, deep, deep-dive Matrix-level virtual reality, I would prefer it be an arcade thing and not an at-home thing, because okay. then you can impose time limits. Yeah. Because you know that there are going to be people who, like, if they had access to virtual reality of that level at home, they run a high risk of just not leaving it, and then they die in real life. Yeah. They just waste away. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. so it would be a lot more safer in an arcade, I would wager. Okay. Okay, so it is like a full-body immersion? It isn't just like the the headset? (laughs) I think it's like... um... 
Um, like I like the Matrix thing. I mean, not to the dystopian level of just yeah. stacks upon stacks of people in pods, but basically you go into a room and you go into the chair and you get the headset on, but like the whole room is just for you. Okay. Cause that's another thing. Like, God, can you imagine if you walked into an arcade and it was just dead silent and there were just a whole bunch of people like in gamer chairs with like these wacky helmets over top of yeah, them? Yeah, that would be terrifying. Walk into a Chuck E. Cheese and it's just this kind of dystopia. <laughs> it's already a kind of dystopia. But at least it's colorful. When Chucky walks up to you, he's like, oh, Hey, do you want to show me your report card and I'll give you bonus coupons for how many A-pluses you get? No, this is like you walk into Chuck E. Cheese and he, like, approaches you slowly with the helmet and he's like, Join the game! Join the game! Become one with the game, Lindsay! <laughs> okay. So, yeah, we'll do that. And then we can have, like, neat cyberpunk Blue and purple coloring, I guess. Yeah. Well, the... Okay, so I have a new edition of the book because I don't know what happened to my original copy of it. Mm. But my original copy, I really like that because it's all green and it's got some, like, a combination of, like, sci-fi and fantasy aesthetic. And it's got, on one hand, like, Janine with all the, like, electrodes stuck to her body. And then on the other side, it's got, like, a knight in a full suit of armor holding a sword. And they're, like... Parallel to each other, it looks really nice. Yeah. Uh, and they also they touch on other cyberpunky stuff going well, not cyberpunk necessarily, but like future tech stuff going yeah. on. Like the game starts with Janine riding the automated AI bus, and she like tries to stop in front of the arcade, and the AI is like, "There appears to be a protest outside, and it could become dangerous. I due to this, I cannot safely d- drop you off in front of the arcade." And Janine's like. I never said I was going to the arcade. I'm going to go to the museum a block down. And the A is like, okay, and you're sure you're not going to go to the arcade after? This is for your safety. And Janine's like, yeah, I'm definitely not going to the arcade. And then she just turns and walks to the arcade as soon as the bus pulls away. (laughs) Nice. What's it going to do? It's a bus. Yeah. And um, also a thing about Future Tech is uh, don't put any numbers on how powerful stuff is. (laughs) this has five megabytes great it can hold like a picture yep (laughs) okay okay did you ever because we're on just the right age where like everything just started blowing up as we went on did you ever have to do a school assignment involving floppy disks yes yep me too oh It was put your PowerPoint on this floppy disk. Yeah, um, I think I had some sort of written assignment. But it was for like a very primitive computer class. Well, I shouldn't say very primitive. The primitive computer classes were when like, I don't know, like the first Macs were getting into schools. We were at the transitioning from the big beige blocky stuff to like the colorful clear mac stuff yeah very rounded (laughs) and that was before mac would really found its footing because it did not i remember that the original um mac word processor did not have spell check automatic spell check which meant i got bad marks on my first three english assignments because i wasn't capitalizing the letter i like the proper i yeah or letters at the front of my sentences and the teacher was like, Tara, you need to learn how to do this. I'm like, but the computer always did it for me. And then you realize, oh, 
That's because that was the Windows. Yeah. Windows and now, now we've reached the point where Pages is competent, but also I correct myself too. Yeah. So it's probably a blessing in disguise? Yeah. Yeah, not that I haven't thought about switching back over to Microsoft, simply because all of the businesses use that one. Yeah. I have never been to an office and see anyone use Mac, unless it's like a graphic design place. Yeah, and I don't do enough graphic design. That's any graphic design. <laughs> so I feel like my next upgrade, I'm going to be upgrading to other stuff. Yeah. The, the only reason to have Apple stuff is if you have only Apple stuff. Everything yeah. in your house is Apple. You live in an Apple home. And also, you are extremely rich and can afford to upgrade every year. Yes. I can't wait to drop $1,100 on the Trypophobia phone. Oh, no. Oh, no. Can you imagine virtual reality number cruncher? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> or, like... What was that one writing program that we all did? I guess I'm more fondly remembering it because it was like the only good thing in my typing class that I took. Yes, I took uh, a typing class. Mom was like, you might have to become a secretary someday. <laughs> and um, as it turns out, um, I'm using Microsoft Outlook a lot more than I thought. Huh. Yeah. When was the last time you used the home row? Um, been a while. It's been, been a while. while. Are we just going to turn that into a thing? It's Oh, it's definitely already a thing. I've heard it yeah. on other stuff. I don't even know what that's from. I just heard other people doing it. Oh, it's from some, like, post-grunge song. Okay. Yeah. I want to say it came out around the same time that Nickelback was starting to get big. Oh. Yeah. How could we have wound up like this? <laughs> Why weren't we able... <laughs> to see the sounds that we missed. <laughs> a virtual reality game where you get to be a big rock star and live in hilltop houses full of 15 cars. <laughs> oh, you know Chad Kroger would totally license out of a video game. <laughs> Janine could have been listening to this very song. <laughs> And now, the, the fact that the main character is called Janine, now I keep trying to picture what our friend Janine would be doing yeah. in this virtual reality game. Yeah. She'd probably, I feel like she'd probably follow a similar uh, arc. Mm-hmm. Except, oh, right, okay, so another thing to change about the game world is just add in some more female characters. Yes. For that matter, also add in more people of color, just the general... Up yeah. to the diversity levels of this kind of stuff. Yeah, blind casting and all that. And there, there are four, uh, no, I guess five female major female characters. There's Janine. Okay. There's the Queen. Yeah. There's like Sister Mary Ursula. Okay. Who's this really weird nun? And I don't know what she accomplishes at any point <laughs> in the story. Um, there's Oriel, who's like one of the king's sons' girlfriend-ish, and she makes potions, and she may have killed the king in the backstory, and she also kills Janine in one of the iterations, and okay. she was accused of being a witch. And it's like, it it raises some fun facts about her life, and then it's just like, okay, moving on, next iteration. Yeah. And then there's a lady who wears a dress made out of grass, and she mines the beheading poetry statue. Oh, okay. So, just 
add either add in some more female characters or increase the importance of some of them. Like I definitely would like to give Oriel a bigger part in the story. Potential love interest. Exactly. Maybe it's just Janine goes in because she sees a picture of Oriel. We don't need the hot boy. <laughs> she sees hot boy and hot girl. Yes. She's like, what, which game would you like to play? I want to play this game because it looks the most bisexual. <laughs> All right. I also forgot about the part that... Oh, no, I didn't remember to say that one. Right. Um, we're, we went on so many tangents and now we're on Oriel. And I'm, I don't want to drop anything that I may have started saying beforehand. <laughs> um, Kenrick, the, the hot boy who is one of the king's legitimate sons, but we don't want him to be a legitimate son this time because, or unless, oh no, because we were going to go with the very distant lines. Yeah. To the point where... It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. They're at the post-third cousin. All that you share is, like, a lineage on paper. Yeah. Yeah, like, I think at third cousin, you're sharing, like, less than 25% DNA. No, even less than 25% DNA. Way less. You know, some scientists say that you have more in common with a banana than your third cousin. <laughs> anyway, um, I think you did want to talk about the implications of the whole Kenrick situation, where it's like, like aside from in-game being the technical half-brother of the player character, he's also the game developer. Yeah, he's modeled after... 16-year-old team heartthrob Nigel Rasmussen, who created all of these virtual reality games. And, like, at the end, when Janine is, like, at the last minute, she's able to win the game and get out. He, like, she wakes up in his arms, because he was personally overseeing, making sure she was able to get out safely. And he, like, tells her, like, oh, and you you just played the game so well, and you, like, you made decisions that I didn't even realize why you're doing them. All of a sudden, they made sense, and they were so cool, and I'm so proud of you. And she's like, yeah, I'm exhausted, and you're hot, so I don't know what emotions to feel right now. <laughs> that um, is valid. He also tells her that, like, the secret there's a secret weapon in the game, which is basically if the player starts crying the game recognizes that something's gone wrong and basically shifts to easy mode. Oh. Beca- because games, like he says outright, actually, hang on, it's, I can <laughs> find the quote. Air apparent is a game, Nigel said. It's supposed to be fun. Frustrating, sure, but fun. If a player starts crying, that's a signal something has gone wrong. The characters become much more helpful. It's what the programmers call the secret weapon. <laughs> oh, I said. Well, Kenrick was nice before, just especially nice at the end, and I don't usually cry. It's only how I was worn out. Nigel smiled. I could tell that you don't usually cry. You're incredibly brave and creative. And you were about to win when the equipment started overheating. (laughs) Neat. He then goes on to say how, again, just reiterate how impressed he is with her and say that, like, all the virtual reality technicians in the world were basically observing the gameplay to, like, hoping that she'd get out and being fascinated by the way she played. And so this is where I say that there's the potential for sequels focusing on Janine. Yeah. Because from what I gather, she doesn't even appear in the third book. The third book's completely different. Okay. And I wish I could have read some more of these before we did this episode, but... It's okay. Why would I do research on a topic? Yes. I'm an English major. I have a degree in flying by the seat of my pants. (laughs) Hey, you weren't as bad as I was at uh, finishing assignments the day that they were due yeah 
Well, no, I, I handed in assignments late, though. I would sometimes hand them in late, but yeah. I once skidded into class with my essay hot off the printer. Nice. That I wrote the night before. You're, th- that's I'm so, that's not impressive though because that's the university experience. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I I guess the impressive part was that I got good marks on that one. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, so Janine apparently is like the most interesting player they've had so far, <laughs> and so I think she it could be special. interesting if she gets hired on by Rasmussen. And yeah, she's only a high schooler, but they're run by a 16-year-old, so clearly they don't care. Yeah. Uh, She got hired on as, like, a beta tester or a debugger, or even potentially she's hired to help guide out someone else who gets stuck in a game for whatever reason. Cool. And then if we wanted to focus more on just adapting the book right from the page for the first season, then the second season or the second volume, whatever you want to call it, that could be the one where we start going into stuff like encountering glitches and, like, finding bugs that were left in the code and having to adjust those. Yeah. From really fun stuff to really, oh my god, you guys really didn't give a shit this time. Yeah. Bethesda. Like, I'm thinking something similar to, there's an episode of The Librarians in the second season called The Point of Salvation. Well, it's called And the Point of Salvation because they're always styled as, like, finishing the title. And basically, a government research facility finds a chunk of orichalcum from Atlantis. And while they're experimenting with it, it, like, triggers a quantum immersion thing that overlaps the rules of a shooter game that someone was playing in the base with reality. And so when the librarians go in, they find that everything in the building works on video game logic. (laughs) And at a certain point, Ezekiel starts just breaking the code in order to find a shortcut to get everyone through because he couldn't figure out how to get everyone through normally. Okay. And it does, like, end with them having to do a grenade jump over a swirling void of code because (laughs) he glitched the game out too much. That sounds neat, and I can see Janine dealing with a problem like that, of just a swirling knot of bad coding. Yeah. Like, um, I remember reading somewhere about, I think it was, uh, it was some sort of alien game and it was supposed to be focused around the space marines and it did horrifically bad because it was a really, really buggy game. Yeah. Like to the point of almost being unplayable. Mm-hmm. So then the company actually went back in into like the coding to see what went wrong because they figured it's got to be something like deep in here. There was one mistake made. Ah, they missed a semicolon! Yes! (laughs) They missed one character, and it fucked everything up. Uh, I remember that from my brief foray into coding classes, where, like, (laughs) I try to make just a simple text output, and it just, like, starts spewing out all these numbers, like, in an infinite loop, like, oh god, oh god, where'd I miss it? Yes, listeners, if you didn't know, Tanner once thought they could be a computer programmer. I thought that was the only way to make money. <laughs> I loved I loved when all of my first year classes were like, so by the way, everything you learn will be obsolete in two years. Yeah. Which does bring me back to the floppy disk story, where 
the specific reason we were doing it on a floppy disk was because the teachers wanted to make sure we knew this for when we like grew up. <laughs> and then as my dad's showing me how to use the floppy disk, he's saying, I don't know why, I don't know why they're having you do this. This is so stupid. We're like, we're, we're so done with floppy disks. We could even, I have so, all of these spare floppy disks because we don't use them anymore. We've moved on to CDs. And I know for a fact that we're going to be using thumb drives for this kind of stuff in like five years. <laughs> yeah, because your dad is a computer guy. Yeah, he's a software engineer. Well, he's now he's more on the business side of things, yeah. but for the longest time, especially when I was in elementary, he was software. Yeah. So yeah, he had like the inside scoop on like where tech was gonna go. Yeah. It's like, oh boy, knowing how quickly the turnover is now, like on the archiving side, one of the potential problems that we're facing is like, how do we read this information when nobody keeps like the actual like equipment to read this? Slash, how do we maintain what we do have? You have to keep updating it to modern versions while also still keeping hard copies so you can... So that we can access it. And then there's also the problem of lack of backwards compatibility and the fact that some companies will kind of make their stuff version exclusive. So, like, try getting anything that Apple makes to read on anything other than an Apple product. Yeah. Oh. So, I think we've reached the end of our 17 tangents. Yeah, because the only other idea I could think of off the top of my head for Janine to do in subsequent seasons, seasons would also be testing the new tech. Because again, there's always got to be something new coming out. Yeah, she could definitely be dispatched to someone who did set up their own at-home system and is now at serious health risk. Yeah. Oh my god, she's cooler Kirito. Kirito's the main character from Sword Art Online, and he is called Jesus-kun because everything comes easy to him. And yeah, he is the blandest of the bland isekai protagonist. No, Janine thinks outside the box. Janine is cool. Janine is cool. Janine is a better isekai protagonist by far. Yeah, like the only isekai protagonist so far that I've kind of liked is the main character of ReZero, but the poor fucker... He's gonna go nuts if he hasn't already. Um, yeah, okay. I think we've reached the end of this loop <laughs> and I'd, it's, it's not working out. So I'm gonna go get eaten by a dragon. Okay. And then on my next save file, we're gonna do this a little bit better. We're gonna have less tangents. I'm gonna have done more research. I'll come back with like 18 pages of notes. Okay. So while I do that, we'll, we'll, we should just cut to a friendship promo. Okay. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I'm Jess. And I'm Monty, and this is Palin' Around. Palin' Around is a critical podcast focusing on video games, fandom, pop culture, and how they interact with the internet. Twice a month, we'll be diving into big topics and asking the hard-hitting questions, like... Why can't Blizzard get its shit together? How does crunch culture tie into the toxic masculinity of the games industry? How has being fandom trash impacted our adult lives? And everything in between. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice, and pal around with us. Okay, Lindsay, I came back, I tried 17 different routes, and I all ended up getting eaten by frogs and, um... Oh, that's not good. So I'm just, I'm just gonna see if this one works for me. Yeah, uh, here, take this, you might need it for the rest of your journey. Oh, thanks! <laughs> it's, it's... <laughs> it's an avocado! <laughs> thanks! It's full of protein! Sweet! I'm going to put it on my toast. <laughs> <laughs>
I actually like avocado toast. I I can't. I do not like avocados. Okay. That I'm sorry. Just any iteration where the fresh avocado, frozen avocado, mashed avocado. <laughs> I mean, it does need a little help to taste good, and it was. It originally evolved to be eaten by giant sloths, so yeah. I'm not a giant sloth. <laughs> yeah, the reason why the seed is so big is because uh, the sloths would eat the avocado whole. Ah. And then they would poop out <laughs> the seed. I am at best the baby sloth that reaches towards the camera and then just falls. <laughs> Aw, baby sloths are so cute. Grown sloths are pretty close, are pretty cute too. Yeah. And are covered in moss. Yes. And algae. Yeah. Anyway, we're on another tangent about avocados and sloths. <laughs> um, I also like glanced at the Wikipedia page to see if there's anything major I missed. I glossed glossed over a bunch of characters because we didn't necessarily need to address their stuff going on. Uh, they can pretty much do the same in the adaptation. Although I like that Wikipedia points out that Najaras Musum smells a lot like popcorn. <laughs> and you know what? Crazy. Yeah, I. I would love a guy who just constantly smells like popcorn. Yeah, popcorn actually does have a nice smell. Even even just like movie theater popcorn. Like, okay, if he feels like movie theater popcorn. Then, um, no. But if it's just the smell. Yeah, just the smell, not the greasy nature. Of... Dramatically empties a bottle of like the popcorn oil on my head. It's <laughs> like, new from Calvin Klein. Oh my god. <laughs> So, on that note, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found at lindsaym476 on Twitter. That's Lindsay spelled with an A. And you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart. And you can find me on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first. And that's pronounced... Anyway, you can find this very podcast on Instagram at not if everybody first. That's all one word. The hashtag is N I I R Y F, and it's pronounced. And you can also email us at notifyrebootyoufirst at gmail.com or you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or how you would deal with being trapped in a virtual reality fantasy video game. You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea because we like being surprised. If you'd like to support us directly, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash notifyrebootyoufirst where you can get a bevy of bonuses by supporting us financially including a weekly shout-out for all of our patrons, including Charlie, who helped vote for this episode, the People's Choice episode. Thanks, Charlie. Also, on the Patreon note, we might be adjusting some things. Um, it might be by the time this episode comes out. It might not. We're going to figure that out in post. <laughs> yeah. 
You can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get us in there. Last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. Yay! This is coming out on the 29th. This is your birthday episode. Yay! Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, Lindsay. I'm sorry. I should have thought more harder about giving you something that you wanted to do. No, it's fine. Like, I'm definitely going to have to check out uh, Air Parent. Yes. I mean, I have the whole series, and I don't know when I'll get to them, so I can definitely loan them to you. All right. Lindsay, do you have a hint for next week? So, the hint for my next episode is to you, prospective reader, I bequeath my history. Aw, shit. Said I was gonna do it. You did. Yeah. It's gonna be a wild ride, Uh, and so we're gonna get to that next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye. I do have a new phone. It's a Samsung. This is my Ah. work phone. Ooh. (laughs) So don't text you on that one. No. This is the... I might give out the phone number for that one just for emergencies only. On this very podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to send you all the dank memes.